overcoming adversity Doing it at all costs Making wins are all lost Yeah, the world is all lost All lost, yeah Ain't no turning back We headed straight for the stars Yeah, oh yeah We overcoming adversity Doing it at all costs Making wins are all lost Yeah, the world is all lost All lost, yeah Ain't no turning back We headed straight for the stars Yeah, oh yeah Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity Podcast, where it's all about transformational growth and having a resilient mindset. I'm your host, Michael Allison. Before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Today we have on the show a really good friend of mine, Miss Sandra Brooks. She is the <laughs> owner, the CEO of Powerhouse Academy. She's the mother of four, an author, a community leader, and a TEDx speaker. She's also been through her own fair shares of adversities, but she's here to tell it for herself. Let's welcome to the show my good friend, Miss Sandra Brooks. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for having Thank me. You. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it's been a while. I um, I reached out to you and I said, uh, this woman has a phenomenal business, phenomenal background, and I really would like for her to get on here on this platform and just share some of her successes that she's um, accomplished throughout her entire life. I know that there's been some struggle, but I would like for you to just share some stories just to inspire our audience, just to empower our audience and just make an impact in their lives. So thank you so much for being here. Of course. So let's get into it. So you've accomplished so many things, a TEDx speaker, an author, you're running a powerhouse academy. So can you tell us a little bit, how did you get to this level of success where you're at now? Yeah, um, it's been a long journey <laughs> for sure. And I, I, I like to share my journey because I, I want people to understand that it doesn't happen overnight, right? I've been doing this right. a long time, still not where I desire to be, right? It's a journey right. to success. So um, I, I've, I think I've always had something inside of me that said I was special or I had a gift to share with the world. There was always something festering inside me and I, I would walk around with a notepad when I was a teenager talking about like or writing down ideas on how I was going to help people or change the world in some type of way. Um, but I wasn't a very good student, right? I really was not a very good student. I barely graduated high school, really. I, and I, I walked across the stage pregnant, right? I was right, pregnant right. when I graduated. Wow. So um, definitely wasn't somebody that the, the counselors or my teachers would say we're going to accomplish anything. <laughs> <laughs> I barely made it. And um, the great thing is I like to tell people, though, although I did walk across the stage pregnant and barely graduated high school. I mean, I was I was night school, extra credit, extra credit like everything. I was begging teachers <laughs> in, order to, <laughs> in order to graduate on time. Um, but all through that, I still was inducted into the Hall of Fame of my school district in 2015. Congratulations. Um, so, Thank you. My picture is up on this district wall and it will be there forever. Right. So um, I want people to say, you know, just because you've gone through some things and you maybe weren't very good in school, that doesn't mean that you're going to continue on that path. Right. I knew I just school wasn't for me at that time and I didn't go straight to college. You know, I had my daughter um, and, and had to raise her and had to get a job. I had to work. Right. I had to do all these things. Sorry, something coming in. I had to do all these things that um, in order to take care of my my daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went through abusive relationships and horrible jobs. 
horrible jobs, you know, just domestic violence, all, all kinds of different things in order to get here. But like I said, I always had that desire inside of me for something different. Um, mm -hmm. I've worked in, in jobs that were all community related to helping mm -hmm. people. Right. And I thought that was going to be my direction. Right. High level director, executive director of a nonprofit that would help people. Um, and, and I had all these roles. Right. And, and then people started putting me in roles of commissioner and po politics and people preparing me to run for politics. I also thought that was going to be my direction as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm supposed to be a politician right now and I could run if I wanted to. I could run right now if I wanted to, and I could probably win a, a race or two if I wanted wow. to. But oh, okay. I, have chosen, I have chosen not to run because I felt like my impact is bigger than what I'm doing right now, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But anyway, I was in these roles, right? And people telling me, well, we're, gonna, we're pre preparing you to run for office. Let's get you on this commission. Let's get you on this board. And um, it just didn't feel 100% fulfilled to me. I just mm -hmm. wasn't there. And so I was, gonna, I was 38 years old in 2017 and I said you know what I'm a it's now or never because I'm about to be 40 <laughs> so I, I need to do something now be, before to me I thought it was too late now I wish I was 40 again um that was five years ago <laughs> but anyway um I, I told myself it's now or never so I hired mm -hmm. a coach I hired a coach mm. I didn't direction I was going to go with with my business yet. I thought I was going to teach grant writing, how to build a nonprofit. I thought I was going to teach what I've been doing. Right, right. right? And it's been nothing. <laughs> nothing that I did in, in, in my business, in my work life is what I'm teaching now. So um, it was more on the personal things and the and the politics and the community engagement and all this stuff is what I what I work on right now. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how I did it. I, and I launched my business in 2017 and I haven't looked back. I haven't worked for anybody since 2017. Man, congratulations, congratulations. I, uh, I, I wanna unpack some of the, the stuff that you just shared. You just shared a, a wealth of um, adversities, some challenges, um, and I think it's interesting as a woman that's successful as you are now, going through some of the things that you've been through. So you said you were a mother that walked across the stage Barely graduated, but you did graduate. So yes. what was that feeling like for you knowing that you was dealing with this? I imagine that there was a guy in the issue or something like that in the picture. I imagine that mom and dad um, was around at that particular time or something like that. So what was that dynamic with going through that entire process of you're pregnant, you're, you're senior year going through school and you're with someone and you're about to have a child now you you might be thinking like i have to put things on pause put things on hold because of all of these things that, or whatever it may be and then what is that like when like maybe mom and dad had like future dreams and hopes for you and stuff like that but now things are kind of on pause can you talk about that a little bit yeah for sure because it's a huge part of my story is is telling them um mm -hmm. and when i told them when i had to come tell you know to tell them that i was pregnant um, I was scared, right? I was coming from high school, a day at school, and I knew because I started showing, mm -hmm. right? I couldn't hide it under baggy clothes anymore. So I had to finally tell them that I was pregnant, <laughs> right? I had to finally tell them I was pregnant. And um, I used to have an uncle that would stay at our house during the week because he worked mm -hmm. locally. So he was there. And I, I, you know, I had to tell them while he was there. And um, 
of course, my dad, you know, was very disappointed and my mom was crying when I told her. But my uncle, which he played a significant part in my success and he has no idea, um, not in the most positive way. But when he when I told him and he was there, he said, OK, good for you, Chandra. And, you know, now you're going to be on welfare and probably have a few more kids wow. and be on that path of, you know, of, of what's expected of you right wow. uh, now that you're going to be a teen mom. And I just remember that lit a fire under me like no other. That lit a fire under me because I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. Uh, <laughs> thank you for doing that. And like to this day, I constantly tell the story because he was the reason why um, I am doing what I'm doing because um, that lit the fire. Sometimes we think that it's going to be the motivational and inspirational things that are going to push us in the right direction. But sometimes it's that negative doubt me um type of statement that is going to fuel our fire and take us to the next level and that definitely did absolutely can you talk a little bit about after you graduated there was a decision to make whether to go to college raise a child or get into your working profession or something like that was that transition yeah. like for you well, I come from a family of workers, not college was never a, um, it never got pushed on me. It never got like, you know, I never got took on college tours or talked about college in my house. It was about a job. It was like, what are you going to do when you're done with high school? What kind of job are you going to have? And that's basically what it was. It was, you know, and it was more actually more based on my looks too. It's like, oh, you're going to be a model. You're going to be an actress. You know, that was more encouraged to me than anything right. else. And I, and, and I know that that has affected my self-esteem. It's affected how I show up, what I look like every day. And, how, you know, I just feel like I have to look a certain way all the time. And it's because that was my focus, you know, in mm -hmm. my family. It was my looks, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that even, that even affected me, my boyfriends and my focus on boys in high school. I wasn't focused on my grades. I was focused on what boy liked me. And it wasn't like I was chasing boys. But, you know, it just that was my more of my focus than it was school. Right. So um, it, 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 when I when I graduated and when I had my child, I had to get a job. Right. I had to work and I knew how to get jobs. But the thing that I did that was different and that I realized was different is like I had I was a teen mom. I knew that was my experience. And I said, I want to help people with my with what I've been through. Mm -hmm. So I found a teen pregnancy prevention program. I don't know how I found it. Um, at that it age? Teen... <laughs> wow. 18, 18 years old. Yeah, I found this teen pregnancy prevention program. Uh, I was like, I wish I had that program uh, before this happened. But I found I found this teen pregnancy prevention program it was a nonprofit organization. And they were helping young people in middle school, high school with abstinence education and pregnancy prevention education. And I was like, that sounds pretty interesting and something that I would like to do. I have the personal experience. Why not? So I went to the organization and I talked to the director. I went, I wanted to, I set up a meeting. I was young, right? This is crazy. I was young and I set up a meeting with the director and I said, Hey, I'm, I've lived this life. Mm -hmm. You know, I live this life. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm determined. I have a child. I, I need to work. I would love to come work in this program. She was kind of hesitant, but eventually she hired me because I was very determined and I wouldn't leave her alone. And I got hired as a health educator at this program. And Mike, within a couple of years, I ran the program. I was the director of the program, the Teen Pregnancy wow. Prevention Program. 
at economic and social opportunities here in San Jose. And I, I learned how to, I taught myself how to write federal grants, taught myself how to write government, you know, um, state grants, local and corporate grants to run the program and keep the program going. So that was kind of start to being in the community and the community leader and being out there and, and seeing how community and politics and how the people in leadership roles in the community ran our city. Wow, man, you're super, super, super ambitious. I love it. At a young age. <laughs> at you know, a young you age. You hear stories like that at young age. At that age, kids are either screwing off or, you know, if some kids would have been like, well, I have a baby, so like um, life is over, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? And you didn't even like let that even affect you. Matter of fact, you said like you let that put a fire and, and fuel you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now that you're getting into and learning about um, this uh, community uh, advocacy um, space, can you talk about what was it like in that space? What was it like um, when it came to like uh, some social justice issues and things like that based off what you were learning and what you were doing um, in your uh, particular part of town? Yeah. Um... I just had some great mentors in my life. And, and I think the reason why I was able to move all the way up to director pretty quickly is that the, the CEO of that company, his name was Tommy Fulcher, and he believed in me. And he's seen, I think he could see it in my eye how determined I was. Um, mm -hmm. And he always gave me opportunity and put me in positions to win and positions to be around powerful people and to see that, right? Um, but also right. see injustice, also see injustice and see where else I could fit in in the community in as a leader, because not everybody is a leader, right? Not everybody right. you see, you know, as you know, me being older now and seeing young people coming up the ranks, I can tell who's going to really be a leader, mm -hmm. who I need to mentor, who I need to take under my wing. And I know this is what a lot of my mentors seen in me. And they took me under their wing and they put me in positions to win. And they wanted me to have roles on boards, nonprofit boards, um, I got recruited to be the vice president of the NAACP, um, and I got to see, you know, injustice and discrimination going on in our community, and it really opened my eyes because being a part of NAACP, you hear about discrimination and different injustices going on that not that not the normal person doesn't hear about. Right. Right. Some people can say, "Oh, we don't have discrimination or racism here in San Jose; it's non-existent." And I would be like, I'm telling you, you don't hear the messages that I get or, you know, or, or the, the reports that we get from schools, from employers, things that we had to take care of. And we had a nip in the bud that nobody else knew about, that we had to handle behind the scenes, um, that this stuff goes on every day. Really, it opened my eyes to a lot of that, um, seeing that stuff happen behind the scenes. But it really just like fueled my fire to say, OK, I need to do more as a leader to show my community that we all have to get involved in bigger ways. We got to do something. It can't just be Chandra. How, how can I build more Chandras? And that's really where Powerhouse came from. Because mm. I had women coming in my inbox. How do, you, how, how do you go all these events? How do you get involved in what you're doing? How do I do what you're doing, Chandra? How do I do that? And people were calling me a powerhouse already. Like, you're a powerhouse. You're at this event with this politician. You're doing this. Okay, that's great. I, you know, that's fine. We all love praise and, and admiration. But I was like, that don't mean nothing if I can't do something with this. 
right? I want, I need to duplicate myself. How can right, I duplicate right, right, myself? Right, 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 right. How can I duplicate myself in many ways? And how can I bring more women to the table? Um, and I started doing that even before I started Powerhouse Academy. But that was the design behind Powerhouse was create more powerhouses um, in the community. And so then we can conquer more injustice. So what I did with that is that I, you know, right when I launched my business in 2017, the first thing I did was write a book. And my book was called Black, Brown and Political. Get informed, get empowered and change the game. And it was to, you know, get people of color to understand local politics and why it's important for us to get involved at the local level. Don't have to make it overly complicated because all we hear about is presidential high level of politics. How can you get involved at the lower level, which is going to affect you sooner and faster? Right. So that's kind of what I did with it right away. It was like, how could I had to do something? Right. So the book mm -hmm. and the Powerhouse Academy came right behind it. If you can, let's expand a little bit on your book. Tell me a little bit about um, why why you created the book. What can a reader get from your book? And um, some of the key stories or key lessons inside of your book that listeners should um, be key into from your book as well. Yeah, I, like I said, I wanted it to be a short book um, to the point not a whole lot of political jargon in it because people mm -hmm. get turned off in politics very fast. Right. So I, I wanted to, people to understand I'm not a political expert, right? I didn't, I don't have a political degree, but I've worked hands-on in politics in the community. I've seen it firsthand. So I want to show yeah, you, how you know, yeah. So I want to show you how to get involved. Mm -hmm. How do you, how, how do you take something that you care about personally and, 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 and go work in it in the community and politics. How do you figure that out, right? So teaching them that everything had to do with politics, everything, making them understand that. Also the levels of politics when it comes to community politics, the, mm -hmm. the, the um, neighborhood associations, city council, commissions, all these levels that they probably didn't know about. Also making them understand that anybody can run for office. If you're 18 and over, anybody could run. And, and that story that I, that I always share is a woman who read my book and, and she reached out to me after she read it. And she said, before I read your book, I went to go try to run for school board in my son's school district. He, she, he was in elementary school here, here in my city. And she said, I went to go try to run and I went to my son's front office. And I asked them, how do I run for school board? Do I qualify to run for school board? And the lady at the front desk who didn't know nothing about running for office or anything told her, oh, you can't, you know, no, that's not for you. You can't run for office. You can't run for school board. And mm -hmm. she, so she didn't go run. She wow. didn't go run. She's all, not until I read your book, it made me say, oh, I could go run. And why am I asking the lady at the front desk of my son's <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to the school district. I need to go to the school district. I need to ask them. Get, you know, go to the source. Why are you even going to that person? Um, but she didn't know, right? We don't know what we don't know. Right. I always say that. We don't know what we don't know. So right. a lot of my book is teaching the stuff that we don't know. I had a 65-year-old aunt read that book, a few chapters, and she goes, I've learned the most in these two chapters than I've learned all my life. She's wow. 65. So, I, and, and it's only 27 pages, Mike. It's a 27 wow. page book. You could finish it in 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So those are some points that I have in the book. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So 
I'm going to jump it back into this community stuff, but yeah, I have to go back to something because based off what you've accomplished at this particular young age, we haven't even gotten into powerhouse yet, but at this particular young age, you sound super, super, super focused, dedicated, and mature. And I want to know where did that come from? Did that was that short grit resilience automatically something that you just got once you stepped into that space or is that something from like your upbringing or something like that because you don't really hear something like this for someone starting off at 18 19 leading up to what you're what you're doing now yeah and and that's why i feel like i i've always had something right i've always been different because it's, I, I mean, I have parents that were workers, right? My mom was a VTA, worked for the transportation authority. She was a bus driver for many years. She retired as a bus driver. And my dad was a construction worker. Um, and they were very hard workers, right? I learned how to work hard from them, but mm -hmm. there was never more ambition to do anything else other than that, mm -hmm. right? But I've seen hard work and dedication. I did have grandparents who were entrepreneurs. Both my grandfathers were entrepreneurs, plumbing and construction, underground construction. So I seen that I was always intrigued by entrepreneurs. I was always intrigued. I always like, how did they start that small business? How did they run it? How are they working for themselves? I was always intrigued by it, but I didn't know what, what I, I was going to do with it. Right. I never knew. But I, I think I just always had something special, something different. That wasn't like, no, I mean, at, at, when I was, we would have a lot of funerals in my family. Okay. And when we had the funerals, I was the one on the microphone. I don't even know. I was 10, 11 years old and I wanted to take the microphone and I wanted to lead. I was the MC of all the funerals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think about this now, how it all makes sense right now. I'm a leader. I could take a microphone. I could get on a microphone and do an interview like nothing. It's mm -hmm. nothing to me. It just comes natural to me. But I think it was just something inside of me. We there, There's chosen ones, right? And I always right. feel like I'm a chosen one. I'm a chosen one. God gave me this gift. And thank God I found it. Thank God I found it. Thank God I've learned how to nurture it. Thank God I found it. I said, I need to hire people. I need help to nurture and build upon all this vision that I have inside of me. How do I mold it into something? So I think that it was just, it's a gift that I have that's come naturally to me and I've been able to run with it. So I was gonna follow up and ask you this question. So being that you were doing all of these things, did you ever feel being around like politicians and all of these um, people with um, all of these high titles, did you ever feel like any, any doubt, any imposter syndrome, any limiting beliefs or anything like that while you was in this space? I still do. <laughs> every day. Every day, every day, I still do, right? That never goes away. That's never going to go away. I am more confident, right? I am in these spaces. Nobody intimidates me. I mean, I've had a very, very, very intimidating mother-in-law and a very, very intimidating husband, okay? So if I could get through both of those people and, and my mentors, I've had the strongest, most boldest, outspoken mentors in Silicon Valley, that are still my mentors. So nobody can intimidate me at all. Mm -hmm. Nobody intimidates me, nothing scares me. And, and my place in this community has been established. I have respect, I have my positions, I have my authority, my presence is, is there. But I still get imposter syndrome every day. 
depending on what what what's going on. But I did coming up. I had so much. I was I didn't understand why some people would uh, uh, recruit me or wanted me to do this or wanted me to do that or why my mentors really really pushed me. I just was always felt like I wasn't enough. Even starting my business, I remember when I started Powerhouse and my coach was like, "Chandra, Powerhouse, you need to create Powerhouse." And I was like, "Nobody's going to pay me to teach them how to do this stuff." And she was like, "Have you read your resume? Have you read all of the awards you've won?" And I had I'd already won several awards and I still did not feel qualified. Mm. I had all these high level positions and all these awards and I still felt I was unworthy and I was not good enough for people to pay me to teach them how to do what I've done. So definitely, and it's not, like I said, something that doesn't go away and you're always gonna have to fight through it. Those negative thoughts, those imposter feelings. And I, ha I have to catch and switch when I tell my clients, you catch that negative thought and you switch it. Like you will never hear anything come out of my mouth. I can't afford it. I don't do that. I, that's not possible. I don't say any of that. I speak mm -hmm. everything to an existence and Absolutely. it always, comes. it always comes to life. Absolutely. Blessing, blessings and abundance is awaiting you, man. Yes. I, yeah. I wanted to hop into, uh, you talked about your ex-husband, some people being hard on you. And I know when I introduced the story, you had um, a fair share of some adversities and things that you were going through in your life. So if you will, can you share some of the things that, that may have taken place um, either through an ex, um, through through uh, some emotional abuse or whatever it may be that you like to share? Yeah. Um, and I think that that, that has affected me a lot in in my marriage uh, being with somebody who was very hard and and unemotionally available right emotionally unavailable mm -hmm. um and i would i would focus on my business i would focus on work really i would focus on work i would i was so and i, I kind of feel like it was part of my success too because i had i had to dive into it because i was trying to avoid everything else so i'm like let me delve into this because this is my baby and this is what I love. And even going through therapy now with my therapist, she said, every time you talk about your business, you light up, right? I, you right. can't say I don't love powerhouse and what I do. Nobody can ever say that because when I talk about what I do, I get excited. My eyes light up. My face lights up. So <clears throat> I was able to focus on that a lot. So it's a gift and a, you know, a curse at the same time. I say, that everything happens for a reason. I think that, you know, God doesn't make any mistakes. And although I've gone through these ad adversities and even, um, I don't remember if I put that in there, I feel like I had to because of the adversities about my, my child going to prison for six years. Um, and that was the biggest adversity to me um, happening. So I'm not sure if that, if I put that in there, but I should have, I don't know why if I didn't. Yeah, you but, did. You, you okay. had mentioned something that um, you had um, your daughter I believe um, had went to prison. Yeah, that to me, my marriage was my marriage. Um, there was good, there was bad times and 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 very just un emotionally unavailable. So I'm an emotional person. I'm a passionate person. I'm a loving person. So not having that was really hard on me. That was really, mm -hmm. really hard. It, it took a lot out of me and it turned me into a harder person. So, mm -hmm. you know, it affected me in a good way and a bad way where it thickened my skin 
right? But sometimes I have people that say, Chandra, you're a little tough. You're a little hard. You're a little mean. <laughs> and, and I was never known as mean before. I, I've never been known to be mean or rough or tough. So it definitely thickened my skin and turned me into a different person. But mm -hmm. I also see it as a blessing because I have to be tough to be a coach. Right. Absolutely. You're not going to come to me and tell me that you didn't do X, Y and Z next week when we meet. You're going to do X, Y and Z. You're going to be a little scared of me and you're going to do it. So, you know, it's helped me. <laughs> it's helped me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, it was definitely hard. Um, but it, 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 I don't want to say it was purposely abusive, you know, because he's to me, he is a good man. Right. He is a good man. Um, and we are friends. You know, we're friends and we're able to still keep our family tight and strong right. through the process, um, which, which is, I think, very important. Um, maybe we're just not meant to be together, but we are raising our family together and making sure that our family is good and we got each other's back. So that's important. Um, but the, the hardest thing that I dealt with was definitely my daughter going to prison in 2014. Wow. So knowing that uh, your daughter had went to uh prison did you suffer any like uh, ptsd or any sort of uh trauma that poured over into like your personal life or into your business that were affected by you were going through this um, situation yes my definitely ptsd i have ptsd now right from it that affects me now that he's been home for two years um, and I say he because he transitioned sexes from female to male so okay. it's we have that too, right? Okay. Going through that as well. Okay. But when when I found out, I was um, I was a vice chair of the Commission on the Status of Women and Girls for Santa Clara County as commissioner. I got a phone. I was in a retreat for the commission, and I got a phone call that he had went to jail, and I, um, he was living with his dad um, at the time, and he had moved there a couple years before this happened. Uh, because he didn't want to follow the mom's rules anymore. So he wanted to go live with his dad in Atlanta, Georgia. And I let him do that. Um, and then this happened. So um, I got the call. I didn't realize how bad it was at the time until later on. And I found out that he was going to get, well, they wanted to sentence him to 25 years in prison uh, for a first-time offense, nonviolent, but it was in Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. It was in Georgia. So I had to fly out there, you know, like, you know what I said earlier, God doesn't make any mistakes. And I feel like God put me through this on purpose because he knew that I was going to go do something with it. Right. I was going to learn from this thing and I was going to teach some and I was going to help more people always. So I went out there. I know how to advocate. I know how to knock on doors. I know the governor runs the state corrections. I know how politics work. I know how to navigate the community like no other. So I but, you know, I'm from San Jose. People know me here. They didn't know me there. Right. So I had to go knock on doors and do what I do out in Georgia, right? I had to find attorneys. I went through three attorneys. I was able to get that sentence that they wanted to give him mm -hmm. from 25 years down to six years. Wow. Um, but it was through three attorneys and me pushing and prying and working the system, calling the, the judges, the DA's office, like, knowing that I had the right to do these things right. and a lot of our people don't understand that they, they do so that, but they're intimidated by the intimidated by these offices and by these groups of people, they don't want to interact with them. They don't know how to interact with them. 
So going through that process, I went and started a podcast called Families Fighting Mass Incarceration with mm-hmm. another mother who had a child in prison for 30 years. And we, we did that for about two years mm-hmm. um, to teach families how to navigate the system on their own if they didn't have money for attorneys. Wow. Um, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Can, can you uh, touch on... Maybe since you already did a podcast and you already did your research and things like that, can you share some of the misconception that the average person do not know in regards to some of these um, situations when they do come up whenever their, their kids are in prison and things like that? What are some rights or some things that you could share with our audience? That you need to be the assistant to the public defender. Like that public defender works for you. So if you don't have money for an attorney and you have to settle for the public defender, you need to make sure they work and you need to be right behind them as their assistant, giving them paperwork, finding files, going, getting documents, giving them the information that they need uh, about your child or about your person, your loved one. You work side by side with them and you bug them to death um, and you, you know, you, you just you're able to do that. They work for you. Okay, so that's kind of one misconception there that you just got to let them do their job and leave them alone. And yeah, they mm-hmm. might be annoyed, but I didn't care. You know, I mean, I, I, I had the money to, to get attorneys. But what I teach people and when I tell people is how to um, do it without without that. And I've, I've helped people do the same thing. You know, after mm-hmm. I went through that, I, I, I would help people that didn't have any money, tell them how to navigate and work with that public defender to make sure that your child or your loved one has the best possible opportunity to come out of that situation in a better you know, way rather than what just what they want to provide to him or what offer they're going to give him, him or her. So, you know, it, it um, definitely that that's one. Right. And also, you know, teaching them that, you know, how to navigate the system and how it works. Right. Who's making these decisions? The judge level, you know, because some people are like, just call the judge. It's not that easy to get to the judge, right? How do you get to their staffers? Mm-hmm. How do you get to how do you get to the DA? Actually, it's the DA and, and even the probation officers that make more of the decisions than anybody else. So mm-hmm. teaching them the levels um, of that. And then also when they get it, when they get inside and when they're serving their time, how do you make sure that your child is treated right? Because I was calling the prison all the time. The warden knew my name. The people answering the phone knew my name. All of that. But people are scared to call up directly to the prison. I wasn't. You know, I knew that I could. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that I would call the ombudsman for the state. The ombudsman was like the middleman. That that's where you complain about what's going on in the prison. Mm-hmm. And you tell them what's going on. I would call the ombudsman and they would call three-way to the prison. And they're like, you know, is this going on or what's going on? How come you got nobody's answering the phone over there? You know, so they they didn't like me, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> I would teach families on this podcast how to do that and how to navigate in that way um, because it made a big difference. You know, even with my my child and daughter at the time getting extra charges because the guards ignoring her and and somebody's trying to fight her and pricking at her and pricking at. And he, she had a fight and beat this girl up to get him off of her. And they wanted to drop more charges. And I said, she told me she was calling the guard several times and the guard ignored her. The guard ignored her. And they were like, well, I don't know. She's probably gonna get an extra couple years on, on her sentence. 
I said, no, she's not. Pull those, pull those, pull, pull the film. Pull the, you know, pull the video. And they pull, I don't know if they pulled the video or they're like, we don't want to go there. Okay, she's not getting extra charges. I know she's not. <laughs> <laughs> I know she's not. So, you know, but, you know, not everybody has that, the guts or the knowledge or know how to do this type of stuff. But we need to know. We need to know to protect our, that because they don't care about our kids in there. They don't right. care. We have to do that. So, but, but, sorry. No, thank you for sharing that um, and um, expressing all that wisdom and knowledge. Some of that stuff I did not know myself. You know, um, I think I shared with you, um, I've been locked up uh, three times. So I did not know all of the things that you shared. First one was for stealing. Second one wasn't for uh, uh, fighting with the police. And then uh, the third one was for DUI in Georgia. So, mm, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you already know. You already so know. now you're a woman that's um in the community, you're doing big things. When did you decide to have a mindset shift and transition saying, I'm gonna step into entrepreneurship, I'm gonna start my business, I wanna start helping people, and I wanna create this powerhouse for women? Yeah, it, it was like 2018. When I could, because in 2017, I thought I was going to write, teach people how to write grants and start nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had to teach people what I did as a profession. Right. And that's what I help women with right now is we think we know what we want to turn into a business. And then when you get help on the outside, you notice that maybe that's really not your gift. That's just the skill and the, the work that you did. You all, you have another gift that could really bless people, and that's really more monetizable than anything else, <laughs> right? So, um, like I said, working with my coach and figuring that out, you know, I had to, I had to do the work with her to figure that out. Um, but I also had to get over the coming from community and volunteering. Commissioner was volunteer, board was volunteer, vice president of NAACP was all volunteer work. I was giving you saying there's no there's no there's no pay behind that or is, is it <laughs> my, I wasn't getting paid for any of that stuff. Oh my god. I was doing all this stuff for free on top of my jobs that I had. Wow. Okay. So all of this is all of this is volunteer work. Wow. So okay. I was all of this and what I say sometimes, I was getting all this genius for free. Right? Mm -hmm. I was giving all these ideas and vision for free. And I remember the vice president of, I mean, the president of the, of the of NAACP, he said, um, I said, well, I want to get more involved because he was kind of a one man show out there doing, you know, he's the face and he would do everything. And I'm not a do sit back and do nothing type of person if I'm on a board. And right. I said, you know, I want to do something as vice president, like, give me, what can I do? And he's like, your job is to just sit in that role until I die. <laughs> that just that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, I'm not doing that. So um, I had some community leaders approach me to run against him a, a year later, and I did ran run against the president of the NAACP, who had sat in that position for a long time. Wow. Um, I did I did not win, but I was the first person to ever challenge him. Right, mm -hmm. so it lit a fire under him to do more and to be more inclusive. And whatnot. And if if I knew what I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, I would have won very easily. But I didn't understand politics. It was 2014. I, I didn't. 
you know, I had a lot going on that time, obviously, right? That was when my son right. went to prison. But um, it, it, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I, 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 I had people running my campaign, community leaders that helped me, and I had a lot of people backing me and supporting me, but I didn't run. So it was a lot of that, you know, figuring things out in that way where I was like, I'm giving all my free time to these organizations that don't appreciate me. Mm-hmm. As a commissioner, I had a lot of jealousy and a lot of competition of women that wanted my position, right? And it was so hard to get things done because we're battling and we're fighting over petty stuff. And, and there's so much red tape on these commissions. I couldn't get things done that I wanted to get done. So I'm a take things into my own hand type of person and saying, you know, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna give my talents and my vision to these roles and to these boards anymore. I'm gonna start my own business and I'm gonna create the Powerhouse Academy because I wanna create it my own way. I want to create it my own way. But like I said, the problem was, is how do I charge for this? And I felt guilty because I come from volunteer, I come from community, nonprofit, we don't have a lot of money. Everybody wants to get something for free or, you know, donated or something. So I was like, when, when my coach told me what to price my powerhouse Academy the first time and she said $1,500. And I said, nobody's going to pay me that. <laughs> pay me $1,500 to teach them how to do what I do. She goes, yes, they will. Chandra. She's all, I really want you to charge $5,000. She's all, but. I'll let you charge 1500 because you're comfortable with 1500 more than you're comfortable with 5000 And so I charged 1500 and I got my first five women in my powerhouse academy for my first cohort. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, the, whole goal, the, whole, the whole goal was to duplicate Chandra. It was right, how do right. you find women who had a mission and vision for something bigger right, than them mm-hmm. and teach them how to create that, how to create their own mission in life right, and vision and build upon that. So that's where how the Powerhouse Academy started. Wow. I attended a uh, workshop about a month ago, and it was led by a, uh, another woman. And I don't remember her name. But mm-hmm. she was speaking to, I want to say the room was about uh, 85% women, there was 15% men. But what she was saying was so profound. She served in the in the Coast Guard, and she's a retired um, Coast Guard um, colonel, if I'm not mistaken. But what she was saying that is, men will get these roles, these positions, and then she would say that when it comes to white men, and then when when it comes to black men, they would get paid at X amount. When it comes to women, they could have the same degree. They could, they could have the same credentials and they will continue to keep on going to school, get a PhD, get this, get that, get this many certifications, mm-hmm. knowing that they're fully, fully, fully qualified to work next to their counterpart and do the same job that they're doing, but they don't believe that they can do it and they'll sit yes. there and stay there. And yes. her, her, her conversation was really about some of us will continue taking eighty thousand dollars a year, and we know that we should be making close to like three hundred thousand dollars a year next to the person that's out there making that type of money. So right. when you're telling me what you're doing and what you started doing, I, I could just think of like someone like you, like you have all these things under your belt, like 
if you was to go work for some corporate American company, I, I could easily imagine that you're making somewhere either half a million or something more than that or whatever. You know what I mean? I just think of right. that. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And even in politics, even in politics, you know, when I was getting, I, I went through a training program called Emerge and it's a political training program for women. And like I said, that, that's where I thought I was going. And I graduated from that program in 2015. And they teach you that women have to be asked <clears throat> to run for office <clears throat> seven times before they really even consider it. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to a man who is less qualified, <laughs> you know, he, he'll, he'll just, he'll, somebody say, oh, you should run for office. He's like, okay. And he puts his paperwork through and he runs and he wins. And he right? wins. For women, yeah, for women, it's a lot harder. And we second guess ourselves. And, you know, in, in roles, just like I second guess myself in, having anything to offer people that would pay me, you know, and even in running for office, I second guessed myself when I was thinking about running uh, for office, you know, back then. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's the, the equity and pay, you know, the pay equity gap is huge. And when I was a commissioner, we worked on that stuff a lot to educate the people to show, you know, as a black woman, as a Latina woman, how far we are from really catching up to the white man um, and that pay gap that is right. there um, and how we have to work harder and we have to put ourselves out there more. And that's why leadership and coaching is so important because we'll stay small unless we got encouragement and support to really push past that. And something I teach is not being humble, right? We teach, we learn, we, we are taught to be humble, but humble doesn't serve us. Hum being humble doesn't serve us. Being humble makes us quiet and right. in the background. Right. right. There's no reason why we need to be humble. Nobody. You don't want to be arrogant. You don't want to be right. rude. There's a difference. Yeah. There's, a, there's a difference. There's a difference. So we need to be able to celebrate ourselves. We need to be able to be proud of what we understand of our accomplishments and understand the value in those accomplishments. And what I try to teach my clients is borrow my confidence until you have your own. And that's what my coach did for me. I had to borrow her confidence in me when she said, look at your resume, look at your all these awards that you won. Girl, are you crazy? <laughs> are you crazy? Of course people want to learn from you. Um, but I have to do the same for my clients. We have to we have to hype each other up and, and show as a reflection, a mirror and who we are. So let's talk about your academy. Can you tell us what your academy is, what it's all about, What's your mission? What's your vision? What are you guys trying to do? So brag about your company. Yes. So the, the mission of the Powerhouse Academy is to um, make more black and brown women have deeper pockets uh, with one foot in the community and politics and one foot in a profitable business. Because if we don't have money to match our voice, then it does us no good. Um, I've seen coming in the community, I've seen several women that look like me with deep, strong voices, but not the money to match. Mm -hmm. Being in political game, understanding that the politicians and the and community organizations went to the people with the money, which mm -hmm. did not look like us. They have their ear, they have their priority. They are able to get things done within the leaders of the community faster because they have their ear because they're the one giving the money. So we have to have our voice to advocate for our people, but also the pockets to match. How do we do that? That's through business. The only way you're going to make no, some real money, yeah, you might have a good career that pay you a couple hundred thousand dollars, 
But if you really want to have deep pockets, you need to be an entrepreneur and create your own business. So that's um, what Powerhouse is about. So I'm teaching them how to build a successful business, but also how do you get involved in your community in, in, a, in, a, in a purpose that you are passionate about? So how to navigate that. So for example, I had a client who is a, um, she has an in-home care business, right? Caregiving, caregiving business. Um, and she's my first millionaire that has gone through the powerhouse. She just hit a million dollars, 1.3 million two weeks ago. But she, she um, cares about seniors, right? Because she has this in-home care business. And so I helped her get on the commission for the senior commission for the county, for the city. So then she's tied into senior causes and, and senior people that are, that are into the senior issues. She's making all these connections with leader people that, that make decisions for seniors. Right. She's a commissioner making decisions for seniors in the city that she lives in and she runs her business. It's tied to her purpose. It's tied to her business. So I teach women how to get on boards and commissions that are tied to their business. I love that. Man, I love that. You're the first person I've heard with that vision and that mission in regards to helping women. Um, I think that's so profound. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I will be telling a lot of people about like what you're doing. <laughs> I've never heard that. So <laughs> thank you. So, so yeah. congratulations on that. So now that you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, Let's hop into some of these um, questions so our future entrepreneur listeners that are listening right now can understand some of the things that um, you've been through as a business owner. Okay. So as a business owner, and a mom, can you talk about some of the obstacles, some of the challenges that you've dealt with and balancing that? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people think that they need to have money to start their business. Um, and you just need to get started right? Even if you don't have any money, you need to figure out a way. It's really hard for people of color to get money, capital. We don't come from families that have money. Some of us, most of us don't, right? So, so we, we automatically are behind, right? When it comes to building successful business, we don't have the capital. We don't have a hundred thousand, 200,000 quarter of a million dollars to put behind the business that we can build and grow. We just don't, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Right. right. So I say, just start, you know, build it, connect with people, build the vision and build the ideas. So that was an obstacle of mine is money, finances. I put my money behind it. I, I, I bet on me, right? I, I really took a chance, credit cards, cash in order to build because nobody was going to give me a business loan, right? Nobody's going to give you a business loan with if you're just starting out. Right. <laughs> Just FYI, right. you know, people think, let me go, I'm going to go apply for a business loan. How can I find financing? I tell people, you know what? Sounds good, but I promise you, you're not going to get anything right now. Maybe you'll get a grant. Since COVID, there's been a lot more grants than usual, you know, for right. businesses and whatnot. But before that, you weren't going to get any money for a business unless you had a track record of showing it. So that's why I tell people just get started and get moving at the cheapest way possible. And this is what I teach my clients is really how to, I'm going to teach you the lessons and I didn't, all the mistakes that I made. So you're not spending all this money at first in the beginning, because people will go hire a marketing agency, go hire, go think that they got to run ads. And like, you know, what are you running ads to? You don't even have a solid product yet. You haven't right. even sold your products like, or service to anybody yet. Why are you running ads and paying for that? 
So teaching them these things that you, you could really scrap it up yourself and, and start it yourself. Don't get discouraged, but you have to start and you have to sell. You have to learn how to sell and you have to learn how to market your company before anybody's going to consider giving you any money for your business. So that's one lesson that I've learned, or that was a couple inside, inside of there for that. <laughs> so how do you get motivated on the mission and on the vision whenever you're still facing tough times? All the success stories of all my clients, those keep me going every day right? The, the one that hit a million dollars, 1.3 million. I actually thought it was a joke. When she sent me a, the, the message, she screenshot her monthly income um, was 200,000 for the month of January. And, mm -hmm. I, and I thought she was sending me for, the, for 2022 for the whole year. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> and I, thought, I was good. I, I was happy for that, right? I was happy for that. Like, okay, that's excellent. Good job. And then, and I looked again and I was like, wait a minute. I messaged her later. I said, that's for January. She goes, yeah, Chandra. She's, and then, and then a, a few weeks later, she's like, I just left my CPA's office. She's like, I had no idea. I, I surpassed $1 million in my business for the year. And I was like, that's just amazing to me. You that's know, so amazing. Like because she comes from poverty. She comes from Fiji. She, and when she shared her story, I got about a hundred, over a hundred fo new followers from Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when she shared her story, but she um, she came from poverty and her family, you know, like she's now able to help her family in Fiji in, in ways that she never imagined. But that keeps me going because and, and she's the commissioner. She's a commissioner on the senior commission. So all those things is showing the ripple effect of my vision, right, of the small vision I had in 2017, 18 to start a powerhouse academy for women. I had to, uh, you know, that keeps me going to say like, wow, this is based on an idea, right? Just, just a thought, right? To create all of these amazing people, amazing women that are doing amazing things. That and, and just my kids and my legacy, you know, what do I want my kids to say about me at my funeral and, and, and for years to come? That my mom, you know, nothing wrong with just working an average job, but I want my kids to be very proud and, and tell stories about me and so it can inspire my grandkids to do the same thing. You're definitely so going to go down. Definitely going to go down as a legend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, how do you manage stress, self-care, while you're dealing with um, business and family life? How do you manage and balance that? Well, my Peloton, which is right next to me. Um, I ride that thing daily um, because it really is necessary for me to have a really great day. It, it really is helpful. I don't know if you're familiar with the Peloton bike, but I'll tell you, okay, it's a life coach and exercise all at the same time. All right. So I get a life coach session in and exercise and fitness all together. Um, and I love it. So I need to do that. Um, and that, that's what keeps me going. I need to exercise. I definitely need to exercise and just be around my loved ones and my kids really keep me going. So that's how I handle. That's basically the only self-care thing I do. <laughs> I need to do better. I need to do better. 
my my business partner from my other business, she uh, she's like, when are we going to Napa? When are we going to go get massages and go to the spa? And I'm the one always putting it off, you know. But it, but that's the thing, Mike. When you do what you love, you don't have to take a vacation from it. Right, right, right. It, it really prevents me from taking vacation. I don't take a lot of vacation, and I tell people my money goes to charities, nonprofits, and organizations. I'm not dumping money. Not that it, it's bad that people go on vacation, but it's not an urgency for me to go on vacation all the time. I got you. And I need to get better because I do want to be on an island. I do want to experience some of that stuff. But you got you got to treat like, yourself a little bit. You got to treat yourself a little bit. Though. I don't prioritize that, and I need to do better. For sure. <laughs> put it put it on a calendar, and um, you'll do it. From, what, yeah. from when I've been listening, you've. Almost every every single thing that you said you were gonna do, you did. So put it on a calendar and it'll get done, it'll get executed. Um, yeah. you have staff, you put have it on people. The calendar. Yeah. So how do you handle criticism? Because with all of the success that you're dealing with and you're gaining and all of the notoriety, I know that you dealt with it while you were in the community space. How do you deal with that now as an entrepreneur when people are seeing you doing well, seeing that you transition, seeing that you're a woman of color, seeing that um, you're helping other people doing really well, having somebody become a millionaire and things like that? Um, how do you deal with that and manage that? I What I tell people is like, these people don't pay my bills. <laughs> they have no significance in my life. You're going to get criticism whether you're doing right or you're doing wrong. Like it, They're going to criticize you regardless. Right. So you might as well just go all in, because at the end of the day, if somebody comes in your inbox and says, oh, you're annoying um, and they they don't do even do that. You know, but we think they're saying that we think we're annoying people. We think we're doing too much. It's really our own thoughts that are thinking right. that. But I said, at the end of the day, you're not going to die. OK, you'll still be breathing. If somebody came in your inbox and you're annoying, you're doing too much. I hate you. You're the worst. You'll still be fine. Right. They're, they'll never be a client. These people will never be a client anyway. They're, these people that are criticizing me or hate what I do or say, I get on their nerves because I'm always posting or I'm always doing something. I don't even care. I'm like, delete me, block me, whatever. You won't be my I'm not talking to you. So it doesn't matter because you'll never be my client, obviously, because you don't like what I'm saying. The people that like what I'm saying are going to hire me. The people that like what I'm saying are going to follow me. So block me, delete me, whatever. But if you continue to follow me, that means you're still a fan. You're just a hater. So absolutely, that's, that's kind of how I deal with it. It don't bother that's, me anymore. It bothered me more before, but not anymore. <laughs> that's how I found you. So I saw your content on Facebook and I reached out to you. I said, um, I like what she's doing her business. I want to get her on the podcast and talk to her and, and interview her. And here we yeah, are. Yeah, this is how you get opportunities, right? This is how you get visibility. This is what I teach my clients every day. It's you you can't worry about what people are gonna think because you're gonna lose opportunity when you do that. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you said something key that I, I wanted to share towards the end of our podcast conversation here is some of the most influential and uh, instrumental people in your life has been a mentor. Can you talk about the importance of mentorship, coaching, and what it has done to uh, your life and your business and your success? Yeah, um, thank God for my mentors. My mentors, um, I, I didn't find my mentors, my mentors found me. And that's usually how it 
how it works. And if you have somebody that's trying to take you under their wing and opening doors for you, you need to walk through those doors. You know, nothing's worse to me, even now me being a mentor, is that I give you opportunity and you don't walk through it. Mm-hmm. Or I give you an opportunity and you ignore it or you turn on me or you talk about me or you don't, you know, all of a sudden I'm the enemy when I'm just trying to get you ahead. And that happens. I would never do that to any of my mentors. I would never do that. So my mentors are my world, are everything to me. I would do, I would drop anything for all of my mentors at any time. But they have opened doors that I couldn't get in. They mentioned my names in rooms that I wasn't in that have given me opportunities. You just never know. And you need to cherish those, those, those mentors and you need to treat them like gold. Um, but like I said, if you, you're finding people, you're not sure, like, why is that person always inviting me here? Or that person's sending me emails. They see something in you. They see something in you. That's why they're... Your mentors, you don't find your mentors. Like, you know, when people say, can you mentor me? I really don't take it seriously because I have to see that you're moving in a certain way. And then I'm going to I'm going to come for you because I'm like, she she reminds me of me when I was 25 years old. <laughs> so I'm going to work. I'm going to go get her and I'm going to work. I'm going to nurture her. Right. That, and I think that that's what my mentor seen in me. So they were so there. I can't even I can't even even equate what they're worth to me. My mentors coaching was a world that I didn't know about, but I seen it, right? And I seen people doing it and I'm like, I need somebody to guide me. I didn't even know how I knew that that was gonna help me, Mike, when I hired my first coach. I just was like, I seen a a promo, it said, um, let me help you be your personal escape artist, leave your nine to five. I was like, oh, I like her marketing. Let me hire her. You know, so I just like what she had to say. So marketing is important, right? So I hired her and she helped me build the first steps in my book and and the first things that I was going to be working on in my business, although it, it evolved from there, but she helped me launch myself into this world. Um, so I, I can't, I can't speak enough about coaching on the importance of it and investing in it at high levels. Mm-hmm. I always say nickel and dime business, you're going to get nickel and dime results. So if you want to go and get, take $97 course, $57 course, read a PDF, read a book, and you think that you're going to be a millionaire, that ain't going to happen. You got to put some money behind you if you want to be a millionaire. You got to get in rooms with high-level people. And the only way you're going to get in rooms is high-level people. You have to pay your way right. by any means necessary. I don't come from riches, but I tell you, I've, I bet on me. And I knew that I was the hottest commodity in my family. Nobody else had vision like this. Why not put all the money <laughs> behind me, right? So if you have a vision and you have an idea, you need to invest in that to nurture and develop it. And the only way you're going to do it, because all we can see is right here ourselves and maybe a little here and left on the right. We can't see what's here and back here. We need a person that can see everything else going on to help us mold and build that vision that we have. Um, and that's the myth that I always dismantle with all my clients. Once they work with me, they're like, I didn't even think about what you just said. And my gift, my gift is for you to tell me the vision in the first five minutes of our conversation. And I already see the vision and I can give it to you and tell you what that idea is going to look like and how we can implement it and how we can make money off of it. That is my gift, right? Right away. I can do that very, very fast. Um, so being able to pull all that out of me. That was the magic of coaching, of all the coaching. I probably paid over $50,000 in coaching 
since I started my business and I made that money back. I was, I was going to probably one up yep. you now because yep. I was going to tell you. So when I was, so I used to be the director for uh, military students at Florida Atlantic University. And I used to, I told you I used to work on the railroad. And the only training I ever used to do was like what the companies give you at like workshop levels and things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And then once I decided to jump into to the entrepreneur space, I knew that I had all these college degrees, work experience and things like that. I got an MBA in business and all these other things. But once I really jumped into entrepreneurs, um, I really realized that um, I'm going to need a coach. I'm going to need a mentor because as much as I thought I knew it all, I didn't really know it all. So I invested right. well over six figures into coaching and mentorship just so I could speed it, speed up the process. And I think yeah. that's what coaching and mentorship does. Speed they, up the process. they cut, they cut all the heartache out in regards to like, you could keep bumping your head on 97, 99 programs, YouTube, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I, I had a coach that said, uh, jump in my speed boat so you don't have to take the paddle boat. <laughs> Right. So that's what it is. That's what it is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when it's all said and done for you, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind for yourself, your business, and your family? Oh, that kind of made me emotional when you said that. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I want my kids to be proud and, and they're already proud. And, and I'm glad that, you know, when they talk to their friends and anybody around, they, they, you know, they put me on this pedestal. Like, you don't know who my mom is. Like, you should know who my mom is. <laughs> you don't know. You should know who my mom is. But I want I want them just to be proud that their mom went after something. and I want it to motivate them. Just like I said, it's more about I want it to fuel people into action. Like if if my grandmother, great, great grandmother Chandra could do it she did it that have that dna inside of me i can do it too right so that's what i want my legacy to be i want my legacy legacy to be a model for action action and movement and changing the world and understanding that your vision and your idea is worth something and you can really make it happen because my powerhouse was an idea it was only idea that flourished into making millionaires making women making six-figure businesses across the country so if I can do it, a, a girl teen pregnant, you know, that went through teen pregnancy and walked across the stage pregnant, you can do it. I love it. I love that you've created a blueprint that people could just follow. If they follow the steps on the process to take action, you've created a blueprint for that for your family to, to do as well. How, how, mm-hmm. important, how important has your faith been? when it comes to your journey, the road that you've been on, the entire process, the grind, the hustle, the struggles, <laughs> how important has it been for you? Very important. I feel like my whole business and everything that I do has been a ministry. Um, I might not be in the traditional way, right? But right. it's a ministry. And I think that you know, people ask me, how are you so blessed and how come you win all the time? I'm like, God has my back. I know he does because, you know, like there's no way, <laughs> there's no way. I know he knows what I'm doing is great and, and that he's seen the things that are coming out of this, this, this. So I know, right, that this was a purpose that I was given 
and I honor it and I don't take it lightly whatsoever. So my faith is knowing that this was a God, God's gift and that I'm living in it and I'm fulfilling what he gave me to do. Absolutely. So last two questions for you before we get up out of here. What are some uh, life lessons, some advice that you can share with our audience? You're a woman that um, been through childhood pregnancy, been through working for uh, in the community. Um, you, I would say kind of like uh, people hating on you and things like that, some adversities throughout that process. Um, you had some issues with um, your daughter. Then mm -hmm. um, you had some issues with your uh, uh, previous husband. And now you're a successful businesswoman. So can you share with us some life lessons and some advice to our audiences? Yeah, that everything is temporary. And it might seem bad at the moment, but it gets better tomorrow. It gets better next week. It gets better next month. Um, and when you've gone through a lot of things in your life, and, and I'm sure you understand this, Mike, when a small situation comes about, you know, like we don't stress over that stuff because we've been through worse, right? <laughs> right? So when you've gone through adversity, see it as something that's going to make you stronger and it's going to help you through your process, right? If you've been raped, if you've been abused, if you've, you know, been to prison, and those are all strengths. Those are all strengths. Those are all things you can use in your to your advantage. Right. So that's what I've, I've seen. I've used everything to my advantage. Every adversity that I had, I've used it to my advantage, right? Not seeing as, oh, poor me. I went through this. I went through that. No, thank God I went through that stuff, right? It wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through those things. So teaching people to use those adversities as strengths and not as a setback or poor me, right? As a victim, that is one, right? And, and, and understanding that things get better tomorrow, things get better in the morning, it gets better every day and they're only temporary. Um, and also just cherish your family and, and, and because life passes you by very quickly, life is short. So if you're going to do something with your life, you need to do it now because you're not getting any younger. So hurry up. And get it done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So if anybody wanted to um, work with the powerhouse Academy, anybody wanted to book you for a speaking engagement, book you for another podcast or anything like that, how can they get a hold of you? How can they work with you? So I have a masterclass that is up and going right now. It's, it's the uh, powerhouse five-step framework to money, power, and respect. And it's really dismantling what money, power, and respect means to people because some people think that that's kind of arrogant or that's kind of like greed or whatever. It's really, we need the money and we need the power and we need the respect. Everybody craves the, those three things. And you could say you don't to the death of you, but you do. And we all need it in order to make the change that we want to make in this world. So it's a master class that people can go watch. Um, and it's an invitation to come to my school. I have a school now. I have a full-fledged business school for social entrepreneurs. So it's just an extension of Powerhouse Academy, then some. And wow. you get to work with me two times a month. You get coaching from me as you go through the course of the business school for social entrepreneurs. So you can find that on my website. Um, you can find that on my Facebook page and on my um, on my Instagram, which is at the Chandra Brooks um, on Instagram. Um, you can find my my um, tree my link tree on there, and you can check me out there.
That's how, Absolutely. That's how they find me. That's where they can find you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure um, to have this interview. I um, I learned so much about you. Like I told you, I I, I read you on um, social media, and I said I had to get you on here. But to have this in- interview has been rewarding, just to hear your conversation, hear your story. So thank you so much for being here with me. I can't wait to hear the live podcast. Thank you, Mike, for reaching out, and um, you're doing amazing work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Take care. Thank you guys for listening. Until next Bye, time, everyone. next weekend. Peace. We love you. Can't complain at all. Couple dollars in my pocket, no income and go. Been working on my body, getting healthier. Thank God for clarity.